Book Six, Chapter Nine of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Amelia, Volume Two by Henry Fielding. Book Six, Chapter Nine, containing a very strange incident. When the husband and wife were alone, they again talked over the news which the sergeant had brought on which occasion Amelia did all she could to conceal her own fears, and to quiet those of her husband. At last she turned the conversation to another subject, and poor Mrs. Bennet was brought on the carpet. "'I should be sorry,' cried Amelia, "'to find I had conceived an affection for a bad woman, and yet I begin to fear Mrs. Ellison knows something of her more than she cares to discover. Why else should she be unwilling to be seen with her in public?' Besides, I have observed that Mrs. Ellison hath been always backward to introduce her to me, nor would ever bring her to my apartment, though I have often desired her. Nay, she hath given me frequent hints not to cultivate the acquaintance. What do you think, my dear? I should be very sorry to contract an intimacy with a wicked person. Nay, my dear, cried Booth, I know no more of her, nor indeed hardly so much as yourself. But this I think, that if Mrs. Ellison knows any reason why she should not have introduced Mrs. Bennet into your company, she was very much in the wrong in introducing her into it. In discourses of this kind, they passed the remainder of the evening. In the morning Booth rose early, and going downstairs, received from little Betty a sealed note which contained the following words. Beware, beware, beware for I apprehend a dreadful snare, is laid for virtuous innocence under a friend's false pretense. Booth immediately inquired of the girl who brought this note, and was told it came by a chairman, who, having delivered it, departed without saying a word. He was extremely staggered at what he read, and presently referred the advice to the same affair on which he had received those hints from Atkinson the preceding evening. But when he came to consider the words more maturely, he could not so well reconcile the last two lines of this poetical epistle, if it may be so called, with any danger which the law gave him reason to apprehend. Mr. Murphy and his gang could not well be said to attack either his innocence or virtue, nor did they attack him under any color of pretense of friendship. After much deliberation on this matter, a very strange suspicion came into his head, and this was that he was betrayed by Mrs. Ellison. He had for some time conceived no very high opinion of that good gentlewoman, and he now began to suspect that she was bribed to betray him. By this means he thought he could best account for the strange appearance of the supposed madman. And when this conceit once had birth in his mind, several circumstances nourished and improved it. Among these were her jocose behavior and raillery on that occasion, and her attempt to ridicule his fears from the message which the sergeant had brought him this suspicion was indeed preposterous and not at all warranted by or even consistent with the character and whole behaviour of mrs ellison but it was the only one at which that time suggested itself to his mind and however blamable it might be it was certainly not unnatural in him to entertain it for so great a torment is anxiety to the human mind that we always endeavour to relieve ourselves from it by guesses however doubtful or uncertain on all which occasions dislike and hatred are the surest guide to lead our suspicions to its object when Amelia rose to breakfast, Booth produced the note which he had received, saying, My dear, you have so often blamed me for keeping secrets from you, and I have so often, indeed, endeavoured to conceal secrets of this kind from you with such ill success, that I think I shall never more attempt it. Amelia read the letter hastily, and seemed not a little discomposed. Then turning to Booth with a very disconsolate countenance, she said, Sure fortune takes a delight in terrifying us. What can be the meaning of this? Then fixing her eyes attentively on the paper, she perused it for some time till Booth cried, 
how is it possible my emily you can read such stuff patiently the verses are certainly as bad as ever were written i was trying my dear answered she to recollect the hand for i will take my oath i have seen it before and that very lately and suddenly she cried out with great emotion i remember it perfectly now it is mrs bennet's hand mrs ellison shewed me a letter from her but a day or two ago it is a very remarkable hand and i am positive it is hers if it be hers cries booth what can she possibly mean by the latter part of her caution sure miss ellison hath no intention to betray us i know not what she means answered amelia but i am resolved to know immediately for i am certain of the hand by the greatest luck in the world she told me yesterday where her lodgings were when she pressed me exceedingly to come and see her she lives but a very few doors from us and i will go to her at this moment booth made not the least objection to his wife's design his curiosity was indeed as great as hers and so was his impatience to satisfy it though he mentioned not this his impatience to amelia and perhaps it had been well for him if he had amelia therefore presently equipped herself in her walking-dress and leaving her children to the care of her husband made all possible haste to mrs bennet's lodgings amelia waited near five minutes at mrs bennet's door before any one came to open it at length the maid-servant appeared who being asked if mrs bennet was at home answered with some confusion in her countenance that she did not know but madam said she if you will send up your name i will go and see amelia then told her her name and the wench after staying a considerable time returned and acquainted her that mrs bennet was at home she was then ushered into a parlour and told that the lady would wait on her presently in this parlour amelia cooled her heels as the phrase is near a quarter of an hour she seemed indeed at this time in the miserable situation of one of those poor wretches who make their morning visits to the great to solicit favours or perhaps to solicit the payment of a debt for both are alike treated as beggars and the latter sometimes considered as the more troublesome beggars of the two during her stay here amelia observed the house to be in great confusion a great bustle was heard above stairs and the maid ran up and down several times in a great hurry at length mrs bennet herself came in she was greatly disordered in her looks and had as the women call it huddled on her clothes in much haste for in truth she was in bed when amelia first came of this fact she informed her as the only apology she could make for having caused her to wait so long for her company amelia very readily accepted her apology but asked her with a smile if these early hours were unusual with her mrs bennet turned as red as scarlet at the question and answered no indeed dear madam i am for the most part a very early riser but i happened accidentally to sit up very late last night i am sure i had a little expectation of your intending me with such a favour this morning amelia looking very steadfastly at her said is it possible madam you should think such a note as this would raise no curiosity in me she then gave her the note asking her if she did not know the hand mrs bennet appeared in the utmost surprise and confusion at this instant indeed if amelia had conceived but the slightest suspicion before the behaviour of the lady would have been a sufficient confirmation to her of the truth she waited not therefore for an answer which indeed the other seemed in no haste to give but conjured her in the most earnest manner to explain to her the meaning of so extraordinary an act of friendship for so said she i esteem it being convinced you must have sufficient reason for the warning you have given me mrs bennet after some hesitation answered i need not i believe tell you how much i am surprised at what you have shewn me and the chief reason of my surprise is how you came to discover my hand sure madam you have not shewn it to mrs ellison amelia declared she had not but desired she would question her no farther what signifies how i discovered it since your hand it certainly is i own it is cries mrs bennet recovering her spirits and since you have not shewn it to that woman i am satisfied i begin to guess now whence you might have your information but no matter 
I wish I had never done anything of which I ought to be more ashamed. No one can, I think justly, accuse me of a crime on that account, and I thank heaven my shame will never be directed by the false opinion of the world. Perhaps it was wrong to shew my letter, but when I consider all circumstances I can forgive it. Since you have guessed the truth, said Amelia, I am not obliged to deny it. She indeed shewed me your letter, but I am sure you have not the least reason to be ashamed of it. On the contrary, your behaviour on so melancholy occasion was highly praiseworthy, and your bearing up under such afflictions as the loss of a husband in so dreadful a situation was truly great and heroical. So Mrs. Ellison then hath shewn you my letter, cries Mrs. Bennet eagerly. Why, did you not guess it yourself? answered Amelia. Otherwise I am sure I have betrayed my honour in mentioning it. I hope you have not drawn me inadvertently into any breach of my promise. Did you not assert, and that with an absolute certainty, that you knew she had shewn me your letter, and that you was not angry with her for so doing? I am so confused, replied Mrs. Bennet, that I scarce know what I say. Yes, yes, I remember I did say so. I wish I had no greater reason to be angry with her than that. For heaven's sake, cries Amelia, do not delay my request any longer. What you say now greatly increases my curiosity, and my mind will be on the rack till you discover your whole meaning, for I am more and more convinced that something of the utmost importance was the purport of your message. Of the utmost importance indeed, cries Mrs. Bennet, at least you will own my apprehensions were sufficiently well founded. Oh, gracious heaven, how happy shall I think myself if I should have proved your preservation! I will indeed explain my meaning, but in order to disclose all my fears in their just colours, I must unfold my whole history to you can you have patience madam to listen to the story of the most unfortunate of women amelia assured her of the highest attention and mrs bennet soon after began to relate what is written in the seventh book of this history End of book six, chapter nine.